0: Hello and
1: welcome. You're listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch Movement. They want to see Matthew twenty four fourteen happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul.
2: So, Maiko, welcome back. Thanks. You and Stephanie were our very first interview that we ever did for Resiliency about a year and a half ago. And I will tell you that episode on cultural adaptation is the most listened to episode ever so far. And I don't think it's just because it's been in the, in the online the longest. I think it's because people listen to that and they say, man, I'm going to send this to my friends because I know they need it, especially to those first term friends, because I know this will encourage them. So thank you so much for
1: sharing. Wow, thank us. you for saying that.
2: Yeah. And again, today, um, just to be here with us, uh, you've kind of had this stuck, stuck in America COVID sensation <laughs> that so many people have. So we're not talking to you from across the planet right now. We're talking to you from right up and down I-35 here in Central Texas. Wish it were face-to-face, but at least we're getting to Zoom with you and see you right now. So welcome back, bud. We love you, and we're grateful for you to be here.
1: Thank the- you. Uh, well, I, just, Let me just say I love you guys, appreciate the podcast that you do, and I, it's it's one of my favorite podcasts, and you guys work really hard at it. So thanks for... Thanks for blessing people on the field and helping us have a, a, a little bit of cleaning, burn, burning fuel in our tank for the long haul. Appreciate mm. all that you guys do as well.
2: Yeah, You're very welcome. For those who, who haven't yet met you through that interview uh, back last year, share a little bit about yourself and what you guys uh,
1: have been doing and where. Sure. Well, Stephanie, my wife Stephanie and I have been uh, married for 28 years. We have uh, four kids three in their 20s, and we have one 12-year-old. Uh, we were in Indonesia for about 14 years doing church planning there and also community development. And then now we're, we're, we serve on the international field office team in Southeast Asia. And uh, I am the field director of pastoral care, leading the pastoral care team who um, serves the 90 Antioch teams around the world. You guys do that state side, and I lead the team that does that on the field side. And uh bottom line, I just want to be more like Steve Finley and Silas West when I grow up. Ah. Ah. <laughs> Whatever.
2: <laughs> Jesus, you know he meant to say be more like you, Jesus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, I did, Lord forgive me. <laughs> but your grace that I see in y'all's life. Yeah, but actually, you guys do such a great job with pastoral care and you've built this out for so many years. I, I call us our team, the regional pastoral overseers, the friendly neighborhood pastoral consultants, you know, we just walk alongside people. We're a little bit closer to where they live and try to care for people. Uh, And it's a joy. It's, it's a joy. And also try to reach people where we live in the country where we live. We don't mention for security reasons, Yeah, Uh, but it's a joy. We have a great team and I love, I love being integrated with you guys as well.
2: Well, so do we. Silas and I walk with a, a, a lot of brilliant and broken people. Speaking of brilliant, you have a master's in organizational psychology. And, Smooth segue. Wow. Hey, how do you like that? <laughs> it has a, you, know, you have an emphasis on building healthy teams and emotional intelligence. And along with that education, formal education, and a lot of life experience in family and team life, I personally consider you quite a brilliant guy in terms of understanding emotions and relationships. One of, the, one of the reasons I say that is because you're such a great question asker and you're sort of a student of others. And Mike, I've always found you to be genuinely interested in others, and you're always learning about, and you're observing people. And I think it's because you just love and care for people so well. Here, Here's kind of my question, my first question. In your care for and interest in others, uh, you told us recently about an observation that you've made. So tell us about that.
1: Let me, before I answer that direct question, I'll, I'll, I'll just, uh, the backstory is, uh... Getting interested in this area of self awareness was just seeing how the lack of it in the own t- team that I was leading caused so much pain on my own team, and how getting getting to a better place of emotional health actually caused our team to to um, function so much uh, more in a healthy way, and actually actually helped us achieve the mission uh, more effectively. So I, it was sort of like, wow, I, you know, you, you could kind of gut it out and do the job and just try to um, on your own strength and really ignore all of these categories of self-awareness and emotional intelligence. But if you do embrace those, those values, you actually see a lot more fruit. You know, God, God's not calling us just to be effective. He's calling us uh, to be whole and I would say that wholeness is spiritual vitality and emotional health. Mm. And so for me, our first years in Indonesia, I, there was a lot of drivenness in me. And the, the book by Patrick Lesioni, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And it was very discouraging to learn that we had all five dysfunctions on our team. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I, I wanted to kind of study this like, wow, there's this whole category of 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 self-awareness and emotional intelligence that really doesn't have to do with sin. It's more issues of self, self self-awareness. So uh, in our own team when I, we try to serve other teams. A lot of times some of the dysfunction and the tension they're experiencing is not around, you know, somebody cussed somebody out Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, someone sinned against someone else. It's more issues of Mm self-awareness. And if we can help people grow in their self-awareness and have a healthier team life, and a healthier marriage as well for those who are married, that they are they're going to enjoy one another. They're going to stick together. Their team, uh, instead of being a black hole, can be uh, a place of life for them, an oasis uh, of grace on the long journey of trying to see breakthroughs in these different nations. People don't realize how they come across. They don't realize what's going inside of them to drive them, how that's impacting the team. So we just kind of, discovered wow we could really help people get to a healthier place on their team and get to a more healthy place emotionally and they can actually go further
0: well mike so we we're talking about this from to you who's had a or has a a master's degree in this area or not necessarily self-awareness but in in the, the field that you work in and something that i struggle with a little bit as being a clinical counselor having clinical background uh is as soon as you start to bring education into this into this scenario, the the, the red flags go up. Uh, secular humanism. So right, is this stuff that you're that you're talking about biblical?
1: Excellent question. Um, well, you know, Jesus, we see uh, walking in an awareness of he only did what he saw the Father doing. Right, so he, only, he, by farthest, he only said what the Father's. He only said what heard the Father saying, and so he was so connected to, to the God, the father, that even if people came to try to make him by King, or at least people want you to go, you know, over here, he would, he was always so calibrated with what God was saying, but you can see that value in the new Testament, like even in, in the life of Paul, where in his letters, he's realizing, he's writing things and he's realizing how people are going to respond to this. You know, like when he's, he's writing to the Romans and he says, uh, He's given the the analogy of someone will say, who is, who resists his will? And he's tell, telling the story of like, you're the, the potter in the clay. And who are we to resist his will? He's kind of thinking about well, how are people going to receive this? Or even, even in his speech in Athens at Mars Hill, um, you know, he, he realized who his audience was. And so he, he didn't even quote scriptures he quoted one of their poets. Mm. And he, you know, he talked about the, he talked about the, Uh, that statue we saw to the unknown God. And he used, and so he understood his audience. So in effectiveness in ministry, we are, we're aware of what's going on inside of us. We're, 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 we're basically open to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And we're being our truest selves. And we're aware of other people, how people are experiencing us. So in that definition of, of self-awareness, I would say it's undergirded by a spirit of humility Right it's it's being quick. It says in James, be each of you be slow slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to be angry. There's that value of of I'm going to be a good listener. I'm listening to God. I understand what's going on inside of me. And uh, I'm also aware of what other people are feeling, even when we are we do walk out of our own brokenness, we're quick to repent. We're like Psalms, you know, 145, let a righteous man strike me, it's kindness. You know, you're you're open to that feedback. So I don't think to answer your question, Silas, this is just a new psychological trick to how to how to be a more effective leader. I think if you see it as humility, then you you'll 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 see the value of self-awareness. So both branches of that tree. Uh, what's going on inside of me, Lord? What are you saying to me? How is this affecting me? And, uh, and then how are other people experiencing me right now? And you could be asking both of those questions. And then, so when you read, you know, emotional intelligence, the guy, Daniel Goleman coined that term in the mid nineties, he wrote a book called Emotional Intelligence. And then you read these concepts from, you know, secular sources, you can go, oh, there's, that's a lot of insight there. You know, Daniel Goleman says, our emotions are, are always with us, with us, but we are seldom with them. Like we don't know what's going on um, inside of us. It's affecting us, but we don't know. But a, a humility of of like, Lord, what are you saying? And I want to be gentle. And I want to. I want to. I want to speak right now, w- w- Your heart. I want to feel what you feel about me. You're speaking. Your Your delight in me right now. And I. I just want to give you all of these other feelings that I'm having right now. And you're kind of having this conversation with God. And then you're aware, Lord, how are these other people feeling, and then that's called empathy. You can feel what they're feeling. So all now, of these things go how, ahead, Silas. How much of this is
0: how much of this is nurture or nature? Because there, there's there's people that tell me, well, of course you're a good counselor. You're this is hardwired into you. So what's how much of this is learned and how much of this is
1: innate? That's a great question. You know, I would. So I think some people are more like I take my wife for example. She is extremely intuitive. She's really helped me have this bandwidth of how other people might experience me. And she's just naturally that way. And I look at her and I go, wow, she's really good. I'm never going to be exactly like her, but I want to learn from her. So when we were in a context, like we took a on-site pastoral trip uh, about a year and a half ago. And where we, I was with the team and I kind of got in storytelling mode and, you know, we're talking about very complex things on their team. And then I just started telling one story after the other. And on the way back to where we were staying, she said, you know, honey, those were, those were good stories. And, you know, I don't know if it really hit the mark, like you were kind of telling stories and I could tell you were enjoying it. And I think they were enjoying it too, but I don't think you, I kind of, you kind of missed the heart of, of what they were saying. You know, she'll say stuff like that, or, or if I'm coming on too strong or talking too much, she might give me a little double tap on the back, you know, if we're in a Zoom call or something. <laughs> and uh and like I have to think, but because she's so naturally good at it. Okay. So if if you want to look at let me let me frame this question another way: the apostolic and the pastoral, okay, both are needed in the church. You've got Paul, you've got Barnabas, you've got Charge the Hill, and you've got how are the troops doing? Okay, so. If you are like my wife is, she doesn't really have to work a lot on self-awareness. She just is very self-aware and I need to work on it. So if I'm primarily thinking charge the hill, then I need to stop and think, well, wait a minute, how are the troops doing? And then if, if some people maybe feel more dominated by their emotions, sometimes they have to submit, submit their emotions to values and go ahead and charge the hill So there's a, there's a tension in the body of Christ that I think he baked in. So with Paul and Paul and, you know, Barnabas, who was right in that, in that uh, conflict over John Mark. And what is that? Acts 15, where they argued about what they should do. Cause Paul's like, he, he deserted us. You know, he, he did not charge the hill very well last time. And Barnabas was like, well, Hey, second chances. I mean, God gave you a second chance. Let's, you know, let's talk about this. And so there's that tension that I don't think is going away anytime soon. So, If you are naturally more bent towards the apostolic, the charging the hill, then you probably need to pay attention to this a little more. You probably Mm -hmm. think, okay, yes, I may inspire people to charge the hill, but do people feel loved and cared for by me? And I did that in such a clumsy way early in my leadership um, that I think people would say, uh, Mike, I'm inspired by the kingdom values Mike lives out, but- I don't really feel like he cares about me that much. So I've really had to work hard at it. It doesn't come naturally to me.
2: Okay, if I'm truly going to be self-aware in the sense of what is my impact on others, then I can summarize it to do I care? And what am I doing to actively show that I care? And that's what you just described in your sort of next stage of your leadership when you were leading your team. It was like, oh, caring for them, not just saying let's take the hill right now and looking yeah. at bodies strewn on the hill that died on the hill, but rather, hey, I don't necessarily have to have everybody die on this hill. We can do this in a way that everybody knows they're cared for and, and give their absolute best to yeah. this push and everything.
1: I'll tell a story. Um, so early in my 20s, I was leading a short-term t- team to Indonesia. There was 18 of us and the leadership team was like four people people that were making all the decisions, but there were people on the team who had a lot of leadership experience and could have easily been on that, that group of four people who were leading the team. So what's going on inside of me? Okay. The the questions that I'm struggling with is, am I doing a good job? Are people respecting me? Are they going to find out that I'm a fraud? Like, am I going to, you know, I'm like the thing that's driving me isn't like the love of Christ compels us. It's like, I want to do a good job as a team leader. I want to prove, you know, that, that I have what it takes in this role. So, so that's kind of the conversation. Well, we had this team meeting, uh, the four of us, and then one, one lady on the team who was older and who had been on team leaders and was feeling shut out. She brought up something and I didn't really listen very well. And she got angry and she slammed the door and she, she walked out. Well, as a, a 24-year-old threatened leader, someone older than me slammed the door and, and left, left the meeting where we were at. And then the big thought I had was slamming doors is wrong. That's a no, no. <laughs> it wasn't, man, that's really unlike her. I wonder what's going on. Like, wow. You know, so I went and I confronted her. I said, Hey, slamming doors is a no, no, you shouldn't do that. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, answer. and she's right. Like she, she's, you know, yes, I was right. Slamming doors. That's not the appropriate way to get your point across, Well, if you would have asked her in that moment, well, how was Mike as a leader? She would have said, well, yeah, he, you know, he holds high standards, no slamming doors, you know, let's get on mission, but I don't feel cared for. Like what you said, Steve, you know, self-awareness leads to care. She didn't feel cared for. I just wanted her to be, you know, get in line. I've since apologized to her and we actually had a good laugh about it. Uh, One counselor told me, he's like, when someone has the $5 reaction to the 50 cent event, what's the $4 and 50 cent about? As an insecure young leader, if I could have said, what's going on here? What's the $4 and 50 cent about? Climbing doors is technically wrong. And that's, you know, that's a small thing. But wow, there's somebody who doesn't feel listened to. They don't feel heard. They haven't felt affirmed, maybe. And we probably need to have a long conversation about this and welcoming that, being open to that.
2: Not being friends
1: or the here's the option is people just hold their breath around each other they just grit it out and say okay this team i feel a lot of tension on this team i'm just going to grit it out it's all about charging the hill so the apostolic hill charger uh needs to just be open to these kind of conversations open to slowing things down asking questions how's the team doing the the environment you're creating are you creating space for this if if you're telling someone, you know, with rocks in their hiking boots, hey, slow down and get those rocks out. And they're going, no, 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 we have so far to go. It's like, I'm telling you, if you just slow down and unlace and take those rocks out, you and your team, you're going to go a lot further. Wow. Uh, it really is. It really, really is is worth it, although it might take some time. I'll tell you one more funny story from that day. So so Mark is my leader. Okay, so here I am, the, the, the 20-something insecure guy, a lot of drivenness, a lot of brokenness. I don't even know what's going on inside of me. And then I've got this leader who is uh, 10 years older. He's a little wiser. He's, he, he sees the objective of the mission, but he also cares about people along the way. Uh, I'm on his team, and I'm leading a basically a discipleship training school that we did at the University of Texas. Uh, So we've got these four students, and I'm leading them, and we're doing kind of ABS-type material in the mornings, and then we're doing outreach in the afternoons at UT. One day, we go on outreach, and one of the students was in a a lounge of one of the dorms, and instead of doing outreach, she was just sleeping on the sofa. She just kind of sprawled out. And I looked at that, and I thought, same thought of, like, slamming doors is wrong. It's like, napping during outreach is wrong. We're supposed to be on mission right now. So I was thinking, you know, how do I rebuke this person who uh is sleeping on the job and we're supposed to be. So I went to Mark and I said, Hey Mark, you know, I saw so-and-so. They're supposed to be doing outreach and, and they're they're taking a taking a nap, not really taking this, the mission seriously, you know. And he listens to me and he says, you know, Mike, I think that I think that people really want the kingdom. I don't think we need to really, you know. Whip them on the back from behind. I think they really do want the kingdom. I think people struggle with things, but they really deep down, I think people want the kingdom. And when he said that, I don't know what happened. I just started crying. I didn't know why. I just like something about that statement hmm. just opened up something in me. And I'm just sitting here, just crying, zooming out now and looking back on that moment. I could say there was a lot of, of insecurity and fear and drivenness. You know, we're supposed to have drive, but Drivenness is the thing that pushes us from behind. Instead of the love of Christ compels me forward, there's something behind. You're trying to prove something to somebody. There's a lie you're believing. And I was sort of like wanting to run over people who, who weren't doing fast enough because I, that's what I felt God was saying to me. That yeah. was my own brokenness. Hmm. So Mark, you know, I was so blessed to have him as a mentor. He didn't go, yes, here's the correct way to rebuke people who nap on outreach <laughs> he said, Mike, what's going on inside of you? I just see a lot, of, a lot of brokenness here. I've learned over the years, like those moments, you need to give space. Like if you're having your team feels like lots of tension, lots of conflict, you need to give space to air it out. God's doing something. The Holy Spirit is working wholeness. And it might feel like it's slowing you down. But uh, eventually God is forming you into the leader who's a more emotionally whole And people will feel that you really care about them and they're going to stick with you for longer. They're not counting down the days to their term is ending and they're going to bolt. And then they're going to say, God has led me, you know, somewhere else. What's going on? I do that. So
0: (laughs) I do have another question, though. The idea that we often judge our our decisions, our actions, the things that we say by our intentions rather than the impact that we have on other people. Mm And so kind of think that area of blind spots, some of the most unaware, self-unaware people I know are people who really think that they're very self-aware. And unfortunately, some of those people end up in positions of authority or spiritual kind of having spiritual impact on others. So what would you have to say about that, that whole idea of blind spots and that way we judge out from a place of intentions rather than impact?
1: Well, it's kind of like having bad breath, you know. No no, you everyone else knows it but you. And mm. so um to to have this value of like okay, yes, it's not do you have a blind spot? It's, you have a blind spot. My wife this morning, you know, it's like why are you wearing that shirt, you know? It's like why is this a fine shirt? It's like ah, it's a summer shirt. It's cold outside. It's short sleeve. I need that needs to affect me. Um, okay. Yeah. You're right. I'm working on a book right now and I just finished the first draft. So I'm getting some feedback. And for me to think this book is perfect. Here it is. Just tell me how great it is. And don't give me any feedback because like that would be crazy. Cause it it wouldn't be, <laughs> it wouldn't be a very good book. Cause I've, I'm so f- familiar with the material. That's hard for me, even though secretly I might want people to say, this is a great book, Mike. Don't touch a word. Um, you know, people are giving me feedback and I have to open it's it's the value of humility. So a leader, you have a blind spot. Other people are experiencing you in ways, but and asking the question, how are people on my team, how are people that I lead, how are they experiencing me, is going to lead to some, some data that will be really helpful to you. Like I'm thinking in that meeting where I'm doing all the talking, telling story after story, I'm thinking, Wow, people are really engaged. They're laughing at my story. And the people listening to my story are thinking, this guy's going on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Now, are they more are they likely to, to open up more? No, because they don't want to hear another story. Yeah. So for me to be open to Stephanie's feedback, hey, you're kind of going on and on and on last night. I can brush that away just like I brush away. Like if someone gives me feedback on my book, I say, no, 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 you didn't understand my point. Let me let me let me convince you that your first impression is wrong instead of, okay. how are other people experiencing me? So you have a blind spot. Would you want to know if you had bad breath? Would you want to know if you had mustard on your shirt and you didn't see it? Like, yes, you would. You could just say, hey, can I ask you a question um you know I I really want to grow as a leader and uh how are you experiencing me like what have I missed you have I felt have you felt like I didn't really um I just kind of brushed off your opinion or like could you I really want to grow in this and just have that conversation and then they're going wow there's there's this person is open to feedback I don't have to like pray and fast for a week before I say something <laughs> Yeah. and so if you're the hard charging leader you need to slow down and just say how how are you guys experiencing me um I really want to grow And just like the open handed question and then they go, well, you're great. You're awesome. You're wonderful. Okay. Thank you. Second follow-up question. How are you experiencing me? Like (laughs) what would you say? Is there any way I could grow? Well, you don't really seem to be a good listener. Or sometimes I feel you, you hear a little bit of the data and you boom, you you give the, give the verdict really quickly. You know, you're not being slow to speak and slow to uh, you're, you're being quick to speak. In in my coursework on this, on uh, one of the classes we took, we learned about a CEO that he thinks he's like so uh, compassionate, and then everybody they interview, you know, the anonymous surveys, everyone says this guy is could care less about our feelings, mm. but he scores himself really high on empathy. <laughs> so he hired a, a a consultant to follow him around for a week, just taking notes, and <laughs> just saying like, you know, okay. You crushed that person, you know? uh, that, that look that you gave communicated, you disdain for them, you know, yeah. and they show them all this stuff. It's like, wow, that's really expensive. Could there be any shortcuts to this? You know, could there be like, do we have to go through brokenness? Do we have to go through all this team dysfunction? You know, could the Holy Spirit just zap us and say, okay, now I, now I feel what you're feeling. Uh, I know it'd make your, your lives a lot easier. Mm-hmm.
2: So, Mike, you've kind of alluded to this thing of a lack of self-awareness, a lack of impact awareness on others. Oh, uh, the person says, "Oh, yeah, I feel like my time overseas is done now. My term is ending because of X, Y, Z, and it may very well be be because of some of these elements of emotional intelligence lacking, you know, self-awareness lacking. How does this relate to resiliency on the field? I mean
1: Okay, the thing that that brings uh resiliency is joy. That relational connected to connectedness to each other that makes life enjoyable, it gives us I said earlier this little oasis of encouragement on the long journey. You need joy in the journey for this very long journey. You're going to some hard places, you're living in, you know, you need to play the 10-year card to see a breakthrough. And so Uh, You have to really be aware of the things that steal your joy. One of the things that steals joy is team dysfunction, right? And it's tension on your team. So you go, wow, like we have a long journey ahead. And if team is the thing that I just endure, it's like, man, I, I could be okay here if it wasn't for my team. Then you need to work on your team. You need to work on and how to work on the team is for everyone to grow in their self awareness. How are you experiencing each other? Uh, you know I, we're doing okay in language we're doing okay uh, you know in making relationships but man team is just kind of the pain I just endure my team well that should be the place of life just like marriage should be a source of life and anytime your your marriage is this place of discord then you know it's like the the, the car is making this terrible noise don't ignore it take take the car to the shop you know yeah. What's that clicking noise? <laughs> you know, just say, ah, it's fine. Cars, you know, cars are resilient. No, so bring the car in. Be open to outside help sometimes.
2: Let me pause you right there. There are people listening to this, to this episode that they're not the team leaders who have the ability to call in the team trainers from their organization or, you know, yeah, wave the help flag and say, we need help. We're not doing so well as a team. And but you're not in that
1: position to be able to necessarily affect that change. Question. Well, so you, so some people in that, in that situation they're yeah, they're, they're going, okay, team, team is not a place of life for me. There's a lot of dysfunction here. I'm just going to endure this. I would say first and foremost, you go to the Lord, do a lot of forgiving, you know, forgiveness isn't uh, what this person did. Isn't wrong. It's taking them off of, I've heard it uh, described, taking them off of, your hook and put them on God's hook. Mm-hmm. So you say, Lord, I release this person. And then, and then as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. You're doing, you know, you're you're looking at your accounts. Do you have any, any sort of, you know, accounts that need to be settled? Do you, uh, do you need to ask forgiveness? And then what, what typically happens is the, the, this person, let's say, so not the team leader, but a team member that's just kind of uh, holding on, holding on, you know, their mind, They're writing a 25 page email. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they're gathering all the data. And if you're doing that, that's probably not a, a healthy uh, thing to do. You need a person to process with. Maybe that's even outside the organization. Sometimes I know like in Stephanie's role, people wonder how open to be with us because wait a minute, is this going to get reported up the chain? Yeah. And I can understand that. And we always tell people, Hey, we're not going to break confidence unless, um, you're going to talk about hurting yourself or others, kind of like what a counselor would say. But then go to the person and um, that is uh, you process with this other person. So you have the courage to have this conversation to say, hey, um, I really want a good relationship with you. I really admire you. I look up to you a lot. This re- you've cast vision and I've joined this team. But I feel myself, you're using I statements. I feel myself kind of withdrawing from you tiptoeing around you i'm not as open as i used to be and i think it's because just some places i feel stuck in our relationship can we talk about our relationship can we just talk about because i really want to be all in and i feel myself disengaging Mm. and i think any team leader would be open to a conversation like i wouldn't say who are you to talk to me that way Mm. uh you know that you have to take that risk you can't just hold on to this hurt and then one day god call me back to America. What? You need to have these conversations all as painful as they are again, your team should be a place of life. It shouldn't be this 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 death star, mm-hmm. this thing that you avoid um it really should be a place of life, and it takes a lot of work to get there sometimes. So I'd urge you to to hang in there and keep engaging so that that's not an easy answer. I realize. No, uh, but have, have, have some hard conversations yeah. in a spirit of humility. It's not like you finally get angry. And you're, you're always this, you know, you say real dramatically in the middle of the team meeting, right. Say, Hey, I'm, ex- I, you know, here's a great phrase. I, ex- I'm experiencing you as this. It doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't mean I have God's big R reality all over the situation, but my little R reality, as I look at you through my little straw, I'm experiencing you as this. Mm. If, if our listeners only remembered
2: one thing from this interview, what would you say would be that one big takeaway that you'd want them to
1: walk away with? Humility is hard. You have a blind spot. I promise you, you've got one. And we all do. And so, Lord, uh, help us uh, to, to close that blind spot down a little bit, to be a little more open to feedback, to be the kind of person who is ac- actually inviting feedback, not yeah. just tolerating it. And you're going to have teammates who are going to want to walk with you for life. I mean, they're going to be, wow, I, I'd follow this person to any battle because their hearts are all in.
2: Yeah. But why don't you just close us out by praying that prayer of blessing and impartation on our sure. Lord?
1: Sure. Lord, okay. we, uh, we just say we are a people who need your grace, especially in these times. We need grace in every area of our life, Lord. And whatever place we feel stuck whatever place we feel angry and just very ready to accuse everybody else mm. i just pray lord you would grant us humility we know that you give grace to the humble and i ask everyone listening to this they would just be open to your spirit we want to be those who um our, our, our necks aren't stiff uh, mm. when you speak to us but we're just broken we're those who throw ourselves on the rock Mm-hmm. uh and we 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 voluntarily choose brokenness we just say yes Lord, whatever you want to say to me i'm here um uh, s- uh speak lord your servant is listening our heart would be engaged in that way lord thank you that you were the ultimate example lord jesus of humility you didn't consider equality with god something to be, to be grasped you could have you could have asserted your rights and said everyone's going to listen to me now but you didn't. You took the very nature of a servant, and I pray that we would do that in our relationships, with one another, Lord. Instead of just continuing on in our our judgments against one another, Lord, we would we would release people. We would believe the best about them, and when needed, we would have these courageous conversations with people, Lord. Uh, the, the the maybe the conversations that we've been avoiding, mm-hmm. that we would we'd be able to get to the other mm-hmm. side of of some of these offenses and really have a real relationship. I I thank you, Lord, you haven't called us to tolerate one another, but you you say be devoted to one another in brotherly love. There would be that devotion to one another that we would we would work through conflict. We would honor one another and we wouldn't just tiptoe around each other. Lord I pray for every team member of uh listening to this, every team leader, would just embrace this this value of humility to be open to feedback, to not only be open to it, but to be asking for it, Lord, and that you would give us much grace, Lord. We need grace, especially in the stressful season that we find ourselves in now, God. We need your extra grace, Lord. So give us, grant us, Lord, an extra measure of humility, I ask. Mm. In Jesus' name.
2: Amen. Thank you, Mike.
1: Thanks, Steve. Love you, brother. Love all you do. Thanks for caring for so many people so well, including this podcast.
2: Thanks. Blessings to you and Stephanie and the family. Bye bye. Thanks so much. All
1: right. Bless you.
0: Well, listeners, thanks again for tuning in. That does it for this episode of Resiliency. You can follow us on Instagram at Resiliency Podcast. And so for now, I'm Silas West, and thank you for listening to Resiliency.